Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. into Attacking Third special episode here for everyone ahead of a really busy week in soccer international and likewise we have Women's Super League a weekend recap because the table is absolutely tighter than ever plus the CONCACAF W Gold Cup preliminary rounds determined the final three nations in the group stage for the tournament we'll get into all of that UEFA Women's Nations League is also back this weekend Uh, a lot of nations still trying to qualify for the Olympics, alongside Darian Jenkins and Sandra Herrera. I'm Lisa Carlin. All right, D, Sandra, it's good to see you guys. Sandra, how was your weekend? Full of family, friends, soccer. Can't ask for anything more. Good. That sounds like That's a lovely a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. D, what about you? How was yours? Oh, you know how mine was. We spent it all together. <laughs> and when I say the friends part, it was you guys. I was like, oh. yeah. I was like, look at them go, telling me all about World Cup or the Gold Cup, and exactly. Darian's talking about the Concacaf W Gold Cup coverage that is happening all across Paramount Plus and Golazo Network. Pre games, halftimes, recaps. We'll got you all covered here on Attacking Third. But let's start with England and Women's Super League play there because it was a busy weekend. Top of the table. Clashes happening across the board. Let's start with the biggest one that happened Friday. Chelsea against Manchester City. Ultimately, City get the 1-0 win over Chelsea. A 14th-minute goal from Kadisha Bunnyshaw. That's her 14th goal, ladies. She is now two ahead of Lauren James in the Golden Boot Race this season. Sandra, Chelsea drop three points at home for the first time since February 2021. What the heck happened for the Blues? Bunny Shaw and an incredible Man City that's in form right now. That's <laughs> that's what happened. I look. This was um, it was hyped up. It was billed as, as kind of like a do or die situation. These are those games where I think when you take into consideration the point in the season which they're at, 
this is that sort of, you know, really six point swing type of, of a game. And we saw Manchester City deliver, essentially. They said, this is going to be a two team race from here on out. And we're the ones you need to worry about, actually. Mm-hmm. And I look, I, I respect it. I know Jenny's not here to, to have my back on that right now. I'm sure <laughs> we'd be talking about what's going on with the Blues. Like, they got to get it together. It's still going to be their year. But uh, I don't I don't know how you take a look at this Man City side and feel or think otherwise at this moment. I think if there was a statement game to be had, it's this one. And if moving forward at this point in the season, it's coming down to a matter of goal differential. And you've got a Chelsea side that is maybe week to week looking for that who's going to step up type player with Sam Kerr out. And then you look at Man City and they've got the leading golden boot runner right now. And you're like, okay, goal differential. I think you're giving that edge to Man City at this point. Yeah, Sandra, I don't disagree with you. I think uh, Bunny Shaw is just the player right now that will put the team on her back. It's almost it's an odd game if she doesn't score or isn't creating chances. And she also had a few other opportunities in the game where they could have gone up two, three goals just off of her and her movement. And we have to give a special shout out to Kiara Keating because damn, does she make saves in the last minute. She had a double save where Chelsea could have evened the game out where she was able to block the shot and then stick her left hand out and block the follow-up and keep them in the game and get them the win. I think they just have a full team performance, whereas Chelsea, it feels a little bit disjointed. Even how City was able to get the goal, it was Cuthbert turning into pressure, City driving, playing it through to Bunny Shaw and her just a cheeky finish, little chip over the goalkeeper. But I don't know how you how you defend that besides just trying to foul Bunny Shaw left and right. There's There's really no way to stop this team because if you're putting all of your energy on her, you have Hemp, you have Chloe Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, who are other players that are not afraid to shoot or not afraid to go one v one and put balls into the box. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you stop City at this point. It's hard to stop them, frankly. You can't give make any mistakes. Your uh, opposition now is being asked to be perfect against this Manchester City side because they clearly are going to punish you when you give the ball over, when you turn it over. D, you're exactly right with the shout out to Kiara Keating. It, it was a really, really good game. City has the stingiest defense in the Super League. They've only conceded eight goals in 14 matches. I think a lot of that also falls on the shoulders of Greenwood and Alexandri, the two center backs for City, because they do a really good job of making it predictable for Keating and making sure that she knows exactly where the shots are going to come from or how the pressure is going to be in and, and the bodies are marked in the box. And then, of course, you get the, the last-minute saves from Kiara Keating that just keep it a, a shutout and then shut Chelsea out for the very first time this season. Um, that's insane. That's insane. So like, not only was this a top of the table clash between City and Chelsea, but so many records were broken. Broken. It was the first ever home loss for Emma Hayes since she's been at Chelsea. The first Manchester City win at Kings Meadow since 2016. The first time that Chelsea's been shut out all season. And this win pulls City level with Chelsea in the standings. And I mean, essentially City can just taste the trophy at this point. It makes them that much closer. Uh, we'll talk about the standings in a little bit, but there's another big matchup of the weekend in the Super League. Arsenal against Manchester United. Arsenal beat United 3-1. Goals coming in the form of an own goal from JC, Chloe Laclasse, and Kim Little gets one from the spot. United ultimately gets one back in stoppage time by Lucia Garcia. But what stood out to you about this match, Darian? Yeah, I think 
Arsenal came out and said, we're going to score. We're going to score in a myriad of ways and watch this. And I don't think United had much of a response. Again, this is a team that plays so disjointed to me. And there's not, we haven't seen much of an adaptation game to game that really makes sense. I think they rely a lot on Nikita Paris. They rely a lot on Lucia Garcia, who was the player of the match for United for me. I thought she was Mm -hmm. tenacious. She plays until the, the whistle blows at the last minute. But there's not a lot that they they don't play as a full team. So I think Arsenal snuffed that out and really took advantage of their mistakes. And they were just hungry to score. Beth Mead, I thought, was going to score a hat trick, how much she was going 1v1 and shooting and her <laughs> runs into the box. I thought she was insane this game. She was unlucky to not score. I like that energy from her. I do. I do too. Yeah, she, was, she had a lot of conviction every time she was on the ball going forward. I think she had six shots total. But yeah, Arsenal just came in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. The only thing I have at fault for Arsenal is what was going on with them defending free kicks and corners. I thought that that were those were United. They had one in the first half where they could have scored. It was Sabrina D'Angelo dropped the ball and Paris could have tucked it in. It was good defending, but their back post, they were leaving players wide open. It's where they were most vulnerable. United took advantage in the second half from Lucia Garcia. She was wide open, but that's my only critique on them. Other than that, I thought they had an amazing game. Uh, we're creating a lot of chances and we're unlucky to score more. Yeah, I wonder if maybe that that come like what, what you're mentioning with so, some of the set pieces there and if that's coming with maybe some of the adjustments that that uh, their manager made. I, I'm curious if I like them. Like mm-hmm. I like Chloe Lacasse in there. I, Kim Little, I think, had, you know, a, her appearance in this game, I think maybe kind of reminds folks a little bit of of Arsenal's um depth. I, I think we've talked a lot about Chelsea's at at length on on A3 about how maybe their depth of their bench is really what's gonna end up getting them through the remainder of women's super league season and champions league as well. But I think in this game in particular, you get a, that little bit of a reminder for Arsenal as, as well. So I, I like those adjustments. I thought Lacasse had a really good game. I, I do, again, wonder at this point in the season, if that's an adjustment that Jonas makes too late, like, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe I would have liked yeah. to see this player kind of get more involved with Arsenal maybe a few weeks prior, especially coming out of that kind of ex- extended winter break. But I do wonder if that's some of it, right? Like you make those adjustments yeah. and it's great in, in some ways and maybe, you know, lose a little something in, in in other areas. But I think important for them to, you know, haven't gotten the win uh, essentially yeah. because we're talking about the previous game in Chelsea and Man City, how we think that maybe this is coming down to that, that two-team race. I mean, the Arsenal could still have an argument maybe. You never know yeah. what's going to happen with the, you know, remainder of, of the season here. But I think... Also coming out of this game, you wonder about that depth that we're talking about. You wonder how that's going to look for them moving forward because now they've lost Williamson again for question mark Mm -hmm. amount of time. Yeah, Yeah, Leah Williamson, of course, coming back from that ACL injury, uh, only played a handful of games, right? Less than a month before she was rolled out ahead of this game against Manchester United for minor hamstring injury. But this was a really big show out, right? Over 60,000 fans at the Emirates for Arsenal. We we Ooh. did preview this on Friday before the weekend or before the match happened. 
that is insane that so many fans, I mean, that's the first sold out crowd ever for Arsenal at the Emirates. Really impressive to see the women's game continue to grow. But the table, Sandra, you mentioned it, how close it is at the top and the race for the title. Chelsea, Manchester City, they're tied at the top with 24 points. Chelsea only ahead right now on goal differential. Arsenal, 31 points. United, 24. And Liverpool, 22 points in that fifth spot. With eight match days left, who wins it all? I want early predictions. Ooh. Sandra, who do you think oh, who's winning no. it? Yeah, make Sandra go first. Make Sandra go first. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so high on Bunny Shaw. It's the CONCACAF queen for me. But I, I don't know, like Darian said, how you defend all of that in terms of her being this complete package of a striker right now. But if there's something that we do know about Chelsea is their ability to take those types of games, those type of narrow losses where things were not going their way in terms of those fine margins, they make those adjustments, right? And they come back. So I think eight weeks is still a very good chunk of time to make some things even more interesting along the way. So I'm still going to stick with Chelsea right now. Oh, that eight weeks. Ask me again at four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to hold you to that. All right, Darian, what do you think? Oh, God. I, <laughs> I I don't know how you stop City. I really don't. I think they're they're in a position where they're in such good form. And I think Chelsea will still compete. I think they're still waiting to get all of the layers together that maybe Sam Kerr brought that Ramirez can bring in. But they're not they're not connecting in the same way that they do with Kerr just yet. I do think eight weeks is plenty of time to make that connection and get back to that level where they're scoring a ton of goals. But I think the way that City is right now, they're going to take the lead in points and it's going to be hard for Chelsea to catch up. So I'm going to go with City. Sorry, Sandra. I mean, eight weeks is a long time. So much can happen, moves in the table. I want City to do it because I like this group uh, with Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp and, and their partnership with Bunny Shaw up top. I want them to succeed and do well, but I, and I think that they really can, but there's also a part of me that's like, Chelsea just has this legacy and it's going to come down to a mentality at the very end of it, the final two weeks, the final week, even to do something for Emma Hayes, do something crazy for Emma Hayes, their coach, as they say goodbye to her. And sometimes emotions and mentality can change you as a player and change you as a team. So I just think that Chelsea is going to, Find something deep within them that can change it all. Uh, I mean, who knows, guys? Yeah, let's check back in four weeks because <laughs> yeah, no one's really sure. We're going to run this <laughs> we'll, back. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back on this one. All right, that's our Super League coverage and recap from the weekend. We've got so much more coming up, including CONCACAF W Gold Cup. We'll talk about it next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back into Attacking Third. Darren Jenkins, Hedra Herrera, I'm Lisa Carlin. Let's talk some CONCACAF chaos because the CONCACAF W Gold Cup preliminary rounds happened this weekend at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, right outside of LA. There were six teams that entered and only three advanced to the inaugural tournament and the stage is officially set. Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and El Salvador secured the final three spots. Let's talk about these matches because they were back-to-back-to-back. We were all staying up late on Saturday night to watch these. Dominican Republic against Guyana. The opening match, the the team that would win would advance to Group A and ultimately face the United States in their first CONCACAF W Gold Cup match. DR defeat Guyana 1-0, a goal in the 55th minute from midfielder Kat Gonzalez. It was a corner kick scramble, failed clearance by Guyana ultimately, but ultimately Dominican Republic will advance. Sandra, what was your takeaway from this match, Dominican Republic against Guyana? You know, going into this one, uh, we had to make a pick. I I was given the slight edge to Dominican Republic over Guyana. I just feel like I just sort of felt like going into it uh, with these types of matches. Once you're in it, once you're in a tournament mode, of course, the concept of anything can happen. Anyone can make something special happen and and make history is always up in in the air. And I. Th- was looking across the rosters and I just thought, well, for Guyana, it wasn't an easy road for them to get to this point and to go up against the Dominican Republic. Maybe that might've been the best matchup in terms of an even attempt to try to get the better of each other. I I felt that Charles was maybe a player for them that could have that moment of brilliance and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of kind of lock things up for them. But this Dominican Republic side, I mean, even when I was doing my power rankings, I I ranked them above El Salvador, just below Haiti in that. I think they're kind of this sort of sleeper type of team that folks are like, okay, yeah, this is a program that has been around. They're not unfamiliar with, with CONCACAF play, but maybe just hasn't been given that spotlight. There's a ton of dual nationals on, on this Dominican roster. I mean, these are players who are not unfamiliar and playing within U.S. collegiate systems and they've also got really young players on their team as well who are just sort of this your kind of just typical exciting dynamic uh, attacking minded players you know I was looking for maybe some of those young players to, to have that kind of impact in the game and we saw I think a Dominican Republic side that kind of ended up living to that building they, they, they we saw them kind of feisty we saw them getting into these these moments of, of creating uh, offensive opportunities, but it, it got kind of worrisome for me, Lisa. I thought like if they didn't get one in the back of the net, it was going to come and bite them, you know? So finally that ends up not being the case. So I think they're in a tough group now as, as that Ooh, yeah. final four team in group a, I mean, that's going to be a big ask for them going up against a United States, you know, Mexico, Argentina, you're talking two teams that are coming off of world cup appearances, a United States side that has won 
everything that could can be won in terms yeah. of the CONCACAF nation and and a Mexico program that's kind of on, on you know, the finally a rise of their own after uh, a couple of tough uh, cycles there. So I think it's going to be a tall, tall ask of them. But I also don't, you know, anticipate that they're just going to sort of roll over and bow down to yeah. the opposition in front of them. The term, the page turns for the Dominican Republic now because they they had the advantage over Guyana in terms of shot twenty one to eight. They had creative moments. They had really good passing sequences where they could get into the attacking end. But it's now a different beast, Darian, going into this Group A match against the United States as their first opposition in group play. What can the USA expect from their first opponent in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, I mean, got to think about the advantage that the U.S. has being able to watch them play this weekend, knowing that that's how they're going to come out on Tuesday. And that's a quick turnaround. You don't have a lot of rest. And Dominican Republic played all of their best players and really threw it out on the table. So I think the U.S. can expect similar tactics. Uh, the DR trying to possess in their half, looking to transition. I think they have to change a little bit approaching the U.S. as opposed to how they played against Guyana. But I think... If I were them, I would look to sit back a little bit and pick and choose moments to attack because the U.S. is going to come out really strong against them. U.S. against the Dominican Republic, it'll be just their second meeting all time. The first one came back in 2012, also in Olympic qualifying. The U.S. won 14-0 in that match and then ultimately went on to win the 2012 Olympics and pick up gold there. Okay, next matchup in the preliminaries, Haiti against Puerto Rico. I think all of us picked Haiti to advance and yep. to win. That did not happen. They fall 1-0 to Puerto Rico. Um, the lone goal coming from Jill Aguilera, who plays in the NWSL with Chicago Red Stars. She got a the goal from the spot just before halftime in the 40th minute. Darian, I mean, where did Haiti fall apart? What happened to our girls? Oh, they couldn't finish. They created oh. all the chances they could not finish. I also wonder tactically, in the first half, they had such a mid to low block when they were going to press in the run of play. And Puerto Rico wasn't showing that they were able to really build out of the back confidently. And Haiti allowed them to get into the game, allowed them to push the ball up higher and start connecting with their front line with Marcano ultimately ending up getting the penalty because she got into the box. But up until that moment, Their they weren't able time. to get... Their first, first time, time in the box. Up, yeah, up until that time. moment, they were not able to get close to goal at all. And then in the second half, Haiti didn't convert the penalty. It was a really poor penalty by Mondesir. But we have to give a shout out. Lisa, you were right. We got to give you your credit. Sydney Martinez was insane, Martinez. making saves left and right. And the penalty, she's, she's a tall keeper. It was at her hand height. And we kept saying... They need to shoot low. They need to make her dive to the ground and make yeah. saves. It's it's not as easy for her to do that. But Haiti wasn't able to do it, and Puerto Rico got the win. And the game can be cruel sometimes, but they deserved it. Haiti wasn't putting away their chances. Martinez had 15 saves. I do wonder. That's wild to even think back of that number, Lisa. I'm like, I do, I do wonder if it just, you know, it gets to these moments. We we talk about it on the on the show whenever we recap certain games where it looks and feels like one team is is generating they're getting those opportunities but they're not finishing and then maybe that moment of self-doubt or panic kicks in like what is happening why is it not going our way when we're doing everything right and i think that also just kind of plays into 
the opposition's competence a, mm-hmm. a little bit more. I don't think, you know, especially when you have an opportunity to convert a penalty and then that doesn't happen, I immediately saw that and I was like, they're going to lose this game. Yeah. I was just like, they're not getting back from it. Like you have to convert that penalty. You have to convert that penalty and then you have to reset that momentum, steal it back and then get that game winner. And they unfortunately were unable to convert that PK and it was never going to come back. So it's frustrating. I think disappointing. I think in terms of trying to spin it ahead, you know, what is, what does it mean for, for Haiti? I think, I think the trio of us who kind of like watch this team do their thing in the March up to the world cup, this was the team that gave really like me so much confidence and Lisa so much confidence. Like we came on here on a three and we were like, don't be surprised if there's six teams at the world cup because CONCACAF is it like that. This, this is how much Haiti has risen and elevated their profile. So it's, it's tough. I think it's, it's deeply disappointing. I'm sure they're devastated to not be able to continue, you know, to build off of all of this momentum that they have generated as a program to not be able to compete for this gold cup, like this first ever inaugural tournament that we're making for the region. So And, you, and it's you a tournament that well, is giving opportunity for some of these other CONCACAF nations to compete and pick up a trophy yeah. that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything else except a CONCACAF trophy. And that's we got to now- give it up to, to Puerto Rico too, though. You know, I, I, again, in my rankings, I said, you know, this is a team, I had them ranked low, but I said, this is a team that can also punch above their weight. So be careful. Mm-hmm. And I, they might've found the right team at the right time without they a name or without with a bunch of injuries to this Haitian side. It's like, maybe this was the right team at the right time. Exactly. No, Melchie Dumornay, um, the the young, exciting forward up top. She's out with an ankle injury and no veteran and Rosal Borgella in the back for Haiti. Definitely helped it kind of shake things up for this Haitian side that we have seen be so successful, but give flowers to Puerto Rico. They do advance to Group B. They will play Brazil in their opening match of the group stage on Wednesday at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern, 10-15 Eastern. Joining that group as well, Group B, it's Brazil, Colombia, Panama, and now Puerto Rico. All right, final preliminary match that we had, uh, El Salvador against Guatemala. El Salvador wins 3-1. This was their 10th overall meeting. And despite Guatemala holding the advantage 7-2 heading into these qualifiers, El Salvador has the best record most recently against them. Three straight wins, outscoring Guatemala 7-2. Guatemala's Savannah Gomez receives a red card in the 37th minute. So then Guatemala has to play a player down. It does change the game plan. But for El Salvador, forward Brenda Sorin gets a hattie. Insane for her, including one from the penalty spot. She could have had two from the penalty spot, but (laughs) this is it. We'll talk about it. This was, to me, one of the most exciting games of the night, Sandra. Did did you agree? And not just because of the four goals, but because of the magic from Brenda Sorin. Oh, 100%. 100%, Lisa. I think this was the one that I was was waiting for. I thought this might have been a game that was a little bit more even between the two, the six teams that we were going to be able to watch Mm -hmm. on Saturday. And uh, I was eager to sort of see if, um, you know, there's already a, a rivalry between these two sides. And now there's you, you add in a trophy, right? You add in the tournament aspect of it all and what type of game are we going to see? I think there's also something to be said for a lack of, of what we saw, you know, in, in terms of Guatemala and what they were presenting. I was kind of like, I, I'm, 
a little unclear on what the game plan is here. How was this national team and these players, you know, how were they supported? What type of preparation mm-hmm. were they given ahead of, of this type of, of tournament? There was a qualifier that they had to go through and they went through that and they made it to this, to this moment. But what was, what was missing to sort of have them, you know, be able to punch through in, into the next uh, into the next round. I think when we talk about some of the reseeding of these six teams, talking about Puerto Rico finding the right team on the right day, I thought this might have been that moment for Guatemala, but it was not. It was it was it all belonged to to Brenda Seren. This was her night. This was her this was her day. This was her moment to to sort of let everyone know that she's arrived. And I love that. I, I love that. It's like doesn't always come down to one player, but I think when you've got a player that goes out there and gives you a hat trick, you have to absolutely kind of give them their, their 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 flowers. So you know, I think we saw them, you know, kind of execute their X's and O's far better than than the other than the other side. I thought there was some great link up play with Sammy Fisher involved on the pitch with Chicago Red Star. She ended up not getting on the score sheet, but really helped she open could up. Have- Poor girl, she could have had one or two close off the post. Yeah, but there was there was a lot there. I, I think that was promising for this team to sort of build up, and it really helped. I think open up some things for for set in, knowing that there was another playmaker there in the in the mix. So I, I think uh, going to be a fun group group scene. Yeah. How far do they go, Darian? How far can El Salvador go in this group with Canada, Paraguay, and Costa Rica? You know what? I actually think that they can put up a pretty good fight. I'm excited that they're playing Canada next because they have a lot of good energy, a lot of good momentum. Some players to highlight Daniel Fuentes I thought was really good in this game. She helped open up the the first goal that Brenda Seren um, scored just because she got a shot off deflection, slipped past to Seren and she put it away. But there's a lot of special players on this team that I think Canada is going to have to worry about. And we know Canada doesn't play the most attractive type of football. And I think El Salvador actually does um, had spells where they really did and connected through the lines really well and broke down. But I think they'll put up a fight. I think it'll be a more of an interesting game than I would have expected, especially after watching this last match. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see how El Salvador changes their game plan against Canada because are they going to sit back a little bit more and then look to just kind of spring Seren forward? Um, but they work best when they combine through the attacking mm-hmm. third and, and getting into their goal end to do that. So that first game for El Salvador and Canada in Group C Thursday, February 22nd at 9 o'clock. The CONCACAF W Gold Cup is all over Paramount Plus, Galazzo Network. Matches start tomorrow, Tuesday, February 20th with Mexico against Argentina at 7.30. And then the United States plays their first match of 2024 against the Dominican Republic at 10 o'clock. 10.15 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, um, and it all leads up to the CONCACAF W Gold Cup Final on March 10th. We'll have so much more coverage throughout the month. That's it for our CONCACAF coverage, but we've got more. UEFA Nations League semifinals are coming up. Don't go anywhere. We're talking about it next. Welcome back into Attacking Third, the UEFA Nations League, two finalists 
hoping to qualify to join host France in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. France, Germany, the Netherlands, and world champions Spain all topped their League A groups, and the semifinals are all set for Friday, February 23rd. Spain will host the Netherlands, and France welcomes Germany. Let's start with Spain-Netherlands, because this is a World Cup quarterfinal rematch, right? Spain defeated Netherlands 2-1 after extra time. It was Salma Paraguelo hit the winner, right? That was 111th. I mean, guys, do we even remember all the way back to the summer? So much has happened between now and then. (laughs) But Spain, Netherlands, Darian, this is a a really big matchup on Friday. What do you expect to see from these nations? Yeah, I think we're going to, we know what to expect from Spain, the type of football that they're going to play. They're going to maintain a lot of possession. They're going to try to break the Netherlands down that way. And they have some superstars. You mentioned Salma Perriuelo, Aitana Bonmati. I think players that the Netherlands really needs to be aware of. They have a lot of weapons going forward and a lot of variety of ways in which they score. So many of the players in the league stage scored five goals for Castillo. Caldente had three, Bonmati two. Um, there, a variety of players scored, so it's going to be a lot for the Netherlands to handle. But physicality-wise, I think the Netherlands are really going to put up a fight. That's a team that you see are big hitters. Um, They have a huge presence going forward. They may not play the most beautiful football, especially against a team like Spain. I mean, who does? Because they hold the ball so much. But I think transition-wise and off of set pieces and crosses coming into the box, that's where Spain's going to be vulnerable. So I think we're going to see these teams really rely on their strengths. And it's going to be a good game. Spain have a four-game win streak over the Netherlands. So I think that that gives the Netherlands a little chip on their shoulder to come out and play really hard in this match. But I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm going to go with Spain taking this one, though. I think they're on a trajectory that they're pretty unstoppable at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, DJ. I I just I'm like, I also don't know if it's going to be, um, you know, is a cakewalk. Maybe some folks are looking at, you know, Spain as the favorites. And sometimes when you have that title, it's like the favorites. Maybe folks think it's going to be an easy match. I don't. I'm looking forward to this one the most just because of the recency bias, you know, in terms of having that World Cup knockout round match against each other. And I, I hope maybe there is a little bit of that physicality. Honestly, I'd love to to see a team make an adjustment to that. Good teams find a way, right? So if the Dutch end up kind of presenting that bit of a challenge to Spain, how are they going to adjust to that? Which we saw, I think, a little bit of that in that quarterfinal. There were moments there where they were kind of getting knocked off the ball a little bit. But I think when, obviously, when you've got the world's best player in Bonmati and then an absolute game changer in Paraguayo, then yes, that was the X factor and uh, shifted things around for them. So are they going to carry that with them? Are they going to maybe look back on that knockout round match to take a look at when and where and when they need to make those adjustments? Like, hey, we're starting to get, we're starting to feel a little bit. We need to maybe go to this instead. So I'm I'm, I'm eager to, to sort of see this matchup, I think, between the two that we're going to get to see. Who do you think will advance, Sandra, to the final? I'm also going to give the advantage to to Spain. Yeah, I get that. It's hard not to. They're just such a complete team, and they hold the advantage over Netherlands. I agree. I I do think that world champions are going to advance. It's also fitting. I want them at the Olympics too, right? We have to remember that these nation leagues are qualifiers for the Olympics. So uh, the top two teams 
that finish and basically who makes it to the final will advance to the Olympics this summer. France, as a host nation, has already qualified. So if they advance to the final of Nations League, it will be the third place team in Nations League that advances. Uh, Let's talk about France against Germany. There is motivation for France, despite the fact that they've already qualified for the Olympics. There's a lot of motivation to make their first major final ever like at that to me that's just insane that that hasn't happened yet Sandra when you look at France Germany which side do you want to see come out on top I need to see France come out on top I, yeah. I think you are going to be the host nation for these Olympics you've already got your spot in that tournament so be motivated by this. This is an opportunity for hardware. This is an opportunity for bragging rights. This is an opportunity to continue that buildup towards the Olympics. And look, it's against the German side that maybe they haven't always had uh, the best of success uh, against. Um, good teams find a way, find things to be motivated by. I think that's also going to be one of those things uh, that they're going to look for in, in this match. And, and I want to see... I want to see a full 90-minute performance. I think that's also sort of become where we've been talking a lot about different footballing cultures when it comes to this show and and how they're different across the world. And I think maybe some people would argue for France football, part of their footballing culture is the fact that they've struggled in some (laughs) big games in the past. So this is the moment. Shred that narrative. Rip it to shreds. I want to see it. I want to see it. France. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Sandra, I don't know. This is my this is always my weariness with France is they are so stacked. I'm just looking at the roster now. They have so many good players. Dali, Faze, Asayi, who we've talked about on end, who's just incredible. Diani, so many players, yet they they never you're right, they never play a full 90 minutes. They concede in a way and then it just knocks them out mentally. I feel that they're not able to come back. And that's something I think Germany has over them is this mentality, this bite to their game, this physicality, this, I don't know, they rely on pop and her energy, which she is relentless. I don't know if France is going to win this. I think especially Germany going out so early in the World Cup, they have a lot to prove going into this tournament. Um, I'm going with Germany and pop's forehead. I like the pop's forehead. I mean, this one's really tough. Germany has the advantage over France. France has struggled and there's a chip on the shoulder for Germany for sure based on everything that they've they've come down to. And in crunch time moments, like a semifinal with the Olympics on the line, I just think that Germany is going to come out with a little bit more force, a little bit more structure, a little bit more organization. Defensively, they're going to be really tight knowing that they're going up against a France side that has already qualified for the Olympics and that they can hopefully just dominate, roll through them and, and see how it happens. But the the two of the three nations will qualify. Uh, France has already qualified for the Olympics. Plenty more to talk about, though. We'll have a, a lot more coverage coming from UEFA's Nations League and, of course, CONCACAF W Gold Cup. Final thoughts from either of you? France, all the way. And then I'm going to say... Spain and that means it would come down to what Germany and Netherlands. I would say Germany. Ooh, I'm gonna go uh, Spain. Oh yeah! Wow, yeah, that would be very Spain's cool. Going all the way. I like Spain all the way too. I'm gonna go Spain all the way. 
I agree with you, D. I'm going to go Spain all the way. Uh, all right, UEFA Nations League coming up this weekend. We'll have so much more attacking third when we get back. Welcome back to Attacking Third. The United States get set to play their very first match of 2024 in the CONCACAF W Gold Cup against the Dominican Republic. This match scheduled for Tuesday, kickoff at 10.15 Eastern. You can watch it on Paramount+, Plus. plus extensive coverage around the entire tournament, especially the United States games on Golazo Network, and of course, right here on Attacking Third. Darian, Sandra, let's chat about it because this is a new-look United States team under the distant guidance of Emma Hayes, interim head coach Twyla Kilgore, has established a group of relatively young players for this tournament, and it's the first chance we get to see them in 2024 ahead of the Paris Olympics. Sandra, what is one thing that you want to see from the United States in this match against the Dominican Republic? Oh, one thing I want to see. I want to see goals by different players. Let's just say that. So... (laughs) Goals, goals from different players. I want to. I want to see rotation. I want to see tinkering. I want to. I want to see all of it. I really mm-hmm. do. I don't know if I can narrow it down to just one, but I want to see goals okay. from. I want to see goals from the the unusual suspects. We know mm. who the usual suspects are. I think we could. I like that. Obviously, say hey, A, B, C, D, E, F, G are the locks. But who who those and those would be the usual suspects. So who are the unusual suspects? I want them to be the ones to get starts and score goals. All right, Darian, what about you? One thing that you want to see maybe learn from this U.S. side in this opening match? I think continuation of adapting their style of play that we saw when they played against China. Obviously, it's a different tactics, a different style, different asks of these players that have been in this program for from their youth to now um, with the full team where it's always been this typical 4-3-3. You're going to come into the pocket. You're going to lay it off. We're going to play a ball forward to our front line, and we're going to chase it down and score goals. I want to see a variety of a style of play, tactic changes. I know I'm saying more than one thing, but, and with Sandra, I want to see them score goals in a different type of way. We've typically just seen, you know, the ball over the top, relying on individual players to work their magic to score goals. I want to see these team goals that we see Emma Hayes score with Chelsea, where it's a lot of combination play, the ball going wide, a lot more creativity. I think the U.S., we've been very critical, has felt stifled and stale, and now they have a little bit more freedom. They can have these players that really like to be on the ball, like to get a lot of touches, like to kind of interchange positions. So I'm just ready to see some exciting football that we haven't oh. seen for a really long time from this U.S. Women's National Team because now is the time to experiment in this tournament and especially with teams where, you know, there hasn't been a huge history between them, but they've changed a lot and they can really try some new things and allow these younger players to gain confidence and try some things going forward. Hoping for goals. Yeah, that's a great point. It's just the second meeting all time between the U.S. and the Dominican Republic. Um, The first one coming back in 2012 during Olympic qualifying for CONCACAF U.S. getting the 14-0 win over the DR then. From this U.S. side, I want to see a lot of creativity and individual flair that is coupled with group play. I Mm. want to be able 
for I want this US side to be able to use their freedom and their creativity and all of the skills that they possess individually, but using the players around them, feeding off of each other, trying to get into a rhythm because that's what this US side needs to continue to grow at. We're so individually talented and skilled, but can they use the strengths of the players around them to help make their own game better and help make it pretty soccer, frankly, like really intricate play in the attacking end um, with how they score those goals, because there's going to be some easy goals that come against this Dominican Republic side. But can they take advantage of the harder ones? Because if you can finish the harder chances in your opening game of 2024 in this opening group stage match against a team that already played a match and is a little bit tired, then you're going to be able to finish them when you get to the final, ultimately, against a, a top 25 nation, whether it's Brazil or Colombia or Canada. So that's what I want the U.S. to focus on. This is a, a new look for this side, and we don't really know what we're going to see in terms of lineups. I mean, there are some guesses we can make, and, and we can have some wants that we want to see out there. So I want to know from you, Darian, one or two players, uh, three, if there's an entire line you want to see, get start or get significant minutes in this game against Dominican Republic for the U.S.? One that's very obvious is Emily Fox. I think we're seeing her grow into this leader for the women's national team and also these elements that she's added to her game of really driving the ball inside. I think she's a leader in how she plays and I want to see her become a leader maybe a little bit more vocally. So I hope she's a player, whether she's on the left or the right, she kills it. The World Cup, she was player of, of the tournament for me for the U.S. women's national team. And then two younger players, Jaden Shaw, who I assume we're all going to say, Drifting in that 10 position, being creative on the ball, I think her and Rose Lavelle maybe playing off of each other, her and Lindsay Horan playing off of each other in some way, getting her really integrated into the game and allowing her to have this creativity and freedom of expression we know that she has. And then Mia Fischel, finally using our nine as a real nine, having her pop off the line, maintain possession, allow our wingers to be wingers and have more dynamic runs going into the box, going into the 18. I think... Those are the three for me that I really want to highlight and see a lot of a lot of touches on the ball going into this match. Ooh, I like yeah. those. You're not gonna probably hear much different from me. I'm <laughs> I'm with Darian shockingly in terms of I think it's also important to get some of these players who are more in form at the moment in, in some of these games to kind of help set that tone for this gold cup that includes Emily Fox and by extension that includes maybe even someone like a, a Mia official. These are players who are playing with club in, in Europe right now who are in season. And we've got a lot of players who are coming off of an off season pre-seasons with their NWSL clubs. There's going to be a little bit of that rust. That's why I don't think this is going to be one of those 14 to zero score lines between USA and Dominican Republic. I don't think we're going to see that. It's not so much because I think we have a Dominican Republic that's going to be incredibly frustrating. It's more so that this team has to shake some rust off. So I want to see Fox. I want to see Shaw. I think Fox's ability to get more inverted is going to be very, very helpful for this team. I want to see Jaden Shaw continue to kind of maybe develop that relationship on the pitch. I think that's what we're going to be looking at, like what you alluded to, Lisa. Players mm -hmm. who are going to get into these mix, but how are they going to develop that cohesion? So, yeah, we want to see these certain type of players, but it's really about it's less about the individual performances for me. I think we all know they have those individual brilliances. We got to see it come together. Yeah, I totally agree, Sandra. And and I know we want goals, guys. 
but I want to see Sam Coffee. I want to okay. see Sam Coffee in the midfield. I want her to get significant minutes. She's been in and out of camp. She didn't make it on the World Cup roster. She's put her head down and she's just grinded throughout her play at Portland Thorns and developing her game and being one of these players that you don't notice on the field, which is a good thing because she's just in the right position. She's not scrambling to get there. She's not scrambling to make really big slide tackles in the defensive midfield role because she's already in the right position. She stops the ball before it gets there. She slows down the opposition play. She can lay the ball from side to side. She can link the lines from the defensive to the front lines. I, I want to see Sam Coffey get minutes. I'm not sure she'll get a start, but I want to see her get significant minutes in, in this tournament as a whole, and especially in this game against the Dominican Republic. All right, the U.S., their first game of 2024, Tuesday, February 20th at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time against the Dominican Republic. It's at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. And you can watch all of the CONCACAF W Gold Cup on Paramount Plus and Golazo Network. Matches all start tomorrow on Tuesday. Mexico-Argentina is the first one at 7.30. And we'll have all your coverage here on Attacking Third as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next time.